don't know about you, but I find that so encouraging to hear what the Lord's been doing over years and years of just being faithful. I'll talk about this as far as this morning, obviously. But we just seek to be faithful to God's Word, trusting the Holy Spirit, and then loving on each other. And that's not a, you know, that, that whole process is called discipleship. And the Lord has given to us a heritage through Calvary Chapel of those simple things. If we can just stay at it, God will continue to do what he wants to do. And that's what we want to, be, to happen, right? So I'm uh, thankful for Garrett, our staff. Uh, as he was talking about the building, we did the siding. I was just thinking, over the, since we've been here five years, we've redone the parking lot. We've redone our roof and now the siding. So uh, the Lord just is, is so good. I would have never even guessed that we'd be in a building. Uh, I remember looking at one time 10 years ago and thinking there's no way. You know, and the Lord did it and he continues to do it. So if we can stay on our, you know, keep our noses in our Bibles and our knees on the ground, God's going to take us where he wants to take us, right? So can we give it up just for the Lord for what he's done uh, for us? <clears throat> In fact, I'm going to be talking this morning about sim Simplify Four Church Things. And for a, for a study on Simplify, this has been very complex, this last one. Because there's so many things I want to talk about as far as the church and this church. And so, before I read our, our, a little bit of our passage this morning, I want to remind you, uh, or you, you probably were reminded, these prayer cards are really, really important to me and to us. As you fill them out and put them in the bowl up here, we're going to take those and we're going to be praying for you at probably four or five times this year, specifically and individually in our hour of prayer and then also in our staff meeting. So we'll take a section of them and we'll pray through them. So please, you might have already put one in there, maybe two. If there's something on your heart this morning and you want to put it in there and we'll have a time at the end, you can come up and do that. We're going to take communion at the end of the service also. But if there's a prayer that you have or maybe as I'm sharing today, there's something that comes to mind, would you please fill that out? You can do it anonymously or put your name on there and just come up and put it in here because we want to continue and I'll talk about that this morning also as pe praying people because when we pray God is pleased and when we pray we're tapping the power of God to do what he purposes and so that's what we want to do let's tap God as he wants to be so this morning for uh, simplify four church things I want to read from Acts chapter 2 so if you have your Bibles which I hope you do or your or your widget and gadget <laughs> would you please go to Acts chapter 2 I'm going to begin in verse 36 and just read this section and then we'll look at it uh, this morning as four church things. So Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. The church has been birthed, the Holy Spirit poured out, and now people are responding as, as Peter has given them a message concerning Jesus Christ. And so he, he says, verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, he's preaching to Jews, for the most part, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 
And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now look, verse 34. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So, continuing daily, there it is, with one accord, in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, and I love this, simplicity of heart, Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we invite you now through the word of God to change our lives. We ask you to speak to us that we have ears to hear. Even as Peter was preaching to these unbelieving Jews, 3,000 of them gave their hearts to you that day. And so Lord, right here, maybe there's someone that doesn't know you hasn't come to faith in Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Lord, we pray that you'd speak to them as well. We know you do through the gospel, your word about Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world. We love you. We pray your blessing now on the things I prepared. In Jesus' name, amen. So to begin this final study, I wanted to add a little bit to what I shared to begin this series as to how this series even came to be. So the full story is in part one, so you can listen there. But it was during a regular walk in my conversations with God that one word on one day following probably about a month to five weeks of just walking and thinking through some things, this one word seemed to shout out to me and it became very personal and has become even more personal, which is what I want to add this morning. Simplify. My personal vision is to be faithful to do what God has called me to do. That's my vision. My vision for Calvary Chapel South is exactly the same, only it's us. It's to be faithful to do what God has called us to do. So I have no idea what this will mean in the coming weeks and months of this new year. I know that there will be triumphs and there will be defeats. There will be trials and there will be testings. There will be joys and there will be sorrows. There will be gains and there will be losses. There will be progress and there will be setbacks. That's a given as part of what life brings us. But I have no idea as far as the specific plans God has for Calvary Chapel South this year. I have no idea what the Holy Spirit will be doing specifically in the life of the family of Calvary Chapel South this year. I have no idea what the Lord will require of Calvary Chapel South particularly this year. I don't, you don't, and we don't, but God does. So it's that profound to me, and it's that simple. Simplify. Jesus said, I will build my church. So the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, capital H, delights in his way, our way, what we're doing. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him, small h, with his, capital H, hand. And I say, amen. 
A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Not he might, he will direct your path. So simplify. One thing is needed. Sit at Jesus' feet and hear his words. In other words, maintain your spiritual life. The most important part of the Christian life is the part that only God sees. Maintain it. One thing is needed. Sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his word. Two first things first. Seek first the kingdom of God and, all, and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. You can listen to these online. Then there's three secret things. Give in secret, pray in secret, and fast in secret. Again, I'll point you to last week's study. And so this morning, simplify four church things. To be faithful to do what God has called us to do. Now, we have no idea what that will mean specifically for CCS this year. However, that does not mean that we don't have ideas and we don't have plans and we don't have dreams. Not at all. By being made in the image of God, we are full of those things. We have lots of ideas and lots of plans and lots of dreams. As a Christian, we have been given this desire from God to be fruitful by living our allotted time for things that matter in eternity. We want our lives to count. That's God-given. He has put eternity in our hearts. Therefore, we think and plan on a wholly different level. Why? Because as Christians, we have the mind of Christ, which the Lord instructs us, wherein the Lord instructs us. We, have the, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. In other words, we think and plan and dream with God intimately close. He is in us. He is behind us. He is before us. And he's by our side. Psalm 139, one of my favorite psalms. You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I can't attain it. I can't even comprehend that idea. But that's the truth. We are closely planning and dreaming and ideeing with God as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 37, I love this psalm too. Puts it, in fact, I love the Bible. <laughs> he says in Psalm 37, listen, verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. In other words, get our eyes off all the evil and all the immortal peop mortal people and all the iniquity. And get our eyes on our God who is eternal. He goes on to say this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you what? The desires of your heart because they're now his desires. The ideas and the plans and the dreams become immersed in God himself. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. 
Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice doing right as, as the noonday. It is going to shine. Jesus shine. So we know who we are by the grace of God. And we pray his grace will not be in vain. So we labor more abundantly than they all, yet not us, but the grace of God in us. We are planning. We have ideas. We're dreaming. We're looking forward expectantly and hopefully and excitedly. In fact, as I'm watching all of the videos, it's like, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be, I mean, over and over. And it is that. We got, we got to come up with some more good descriptive words. We pray and plan with our Bibles open so that God can speak to us. We exercise ourselves in going ahead prayerfully so that God can direct and as needed redirect our plans and our progress. We plan and prepare to do all things excellently because we're doing them for God. We take ventures of faith lest we miss out on what God wanted to do for us. We don't want to miss those things. Therefore, we're strong and courageous in going after things that are way bigger than we are, but they're not bigger than God. We're unashamed to seek godly counsel when we need it. Where there is no counsel, people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And so we look outside of our own walls and outside of our own doings and we go and we ask for wisdom and understanding so that we're not going to be missing or getting off track. So let's be faithful to what God is calling us to do every day this year. Live life as if there was no tomorrow and no yesterday. Jesus said, live for today. Buddha said, the trouble is you think you have time. You don't know what's coming or how much time you do have. So live and love every day like there's no tomorrow. And if tomorrow does come, do it all again. Learn, live as, like there's no tomorrow and learn as if your life depends on it. Be faithful to do what God has called us to do. Here is the vision for how the Lord will be leading Calvary Chapel South in 2019. But here's how the Lord has always led his church down through the ages. Four church things. If you want to know what God has in mind for his church, just read Acts, the book of Acts. The book of Acts is how God intends his church to be functioning. This is where God begins, and this is where the early church began, and this is where we, the church, begin, simplify four church things. They continued steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking bread and in prayer, four church things. As a result of poor planning, Dennis from Katy, Texas needed some same day dry cleaning before he left on a trip. He remembered one store with a huge sign, one hour dry cleaners, it was on the other side of town so he made the drive out of his way to drop off the suit. After filling out the tag, he told the clerk, I need this in an hour. She said, I can't get this back to you until Thursday. 
I thought you did dry cleaning in an hour. She replied, no, that's just the name of the store. <laughs> God help us that Calvary Chapel South never becomes the church in sign only. But that we are the church in the name and to the glory of Jesus Christ, the head of the church, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Master, our Friend, and our Bridegroom. You see, the church, the word is ecclesia. It means the called out ones. It means a called out assembly. Jesus said, I will build my church. The church is amazing. There it is. The church is exciting. There it is. The church is beyond spectacular. The church is multidimensional in all of its glorious splendor. Now, here's the catch. This glorious church is us. We are the church. So, by faith, simplify, by faith, be who God has created us to be, Amen. the church. Walk by faith in these things that we're going to look at this morning. The church is the church of God. It is unique, except, exceptional, and it is exclusive. We are not referring to just any assembly or gathering. It's the church of God in Jesus Christ. Peter put it this way. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. God's own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Who, were, who once were not a people but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Is that not splendidly glorious? That's us. By God's grace. You see, we're a congregation or assembly of followers, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. It sets us apart from any other Gathering, ecclesia. There's the universal, the general assembly of the firstborn. The whole body of scattered throughout the earth. Those registered in heaven. There's the universal church. And there's the local churches. The church of the Kentites. And the Aubertites. <laughs> and the Federalites. <laughs> As such, it's an organized congregation of servant leadership and God-honoring uh, order. Let all things be done decently and in order. We are a lampstand that is to shine out into the world the glory of Jesus Christ. Him in our midst. The church is of God. The church is a building. Let me just give you... We're, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We're a building. We're the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. We're a dwelling place of God in the spirit. We're a holy temple being fitted together and growing together. 
We are a, a, a spiritual house made up of living stones. This is absolutely so fantastic and so beyond our, willing, our ability to grasp, but not beyond our ability to experience. The church is not only a building, it's a body. A living spiritual unity of faith and peace and love. A unity of beautiful God-given diversity in our callings and giftings and functionings and visibility. Every member of the body is needed as chosen, placed in the body, and valued uniquely and equally by God. Jesus is the head of the church. All things flow from him. The church is the bride of Christ. Listen. Sacred. Holy. Beautiful. And loved. That's you and me. In God's eyes. The bride of Christ. The church is a family. We are the household of faith, the household of God. We're children of the living God, brothers and sisters, born into God's family. And that's where we, like, we wish we had a choice of who our brothers and sisters are going to be. We don't. And whether we like it or not, that's the deal. We're the family of God, the household of God. And we are to forgive and love one another because our Heavenly Father has forgiven us of so much. And that's all worked out in the context of family. And so they continued fastly in the apostles' doctrine. You know me. I could talk about this for the next three hours easy. They continued steadfastly. That means fixed or unchanging, steady, loyal, constant. Steadfastly, they continued, means to be strong and staunch, to persist obstinately in it. In other words, the idea of steady, persistent, adhering firmly and attaching ourselves to these things. They continued steadfastly. They, the fidelity to a set course of action, we plan and we do it, no matter what. Four church things. The apostles' doctrine. The word doctrine denotes teaching. It's either one, that which is taught, or two, the act of teaching and instruction. Now, I want to tell you, the three pastoral epistles are loaded with exhortations concerning the doctrine, the apostles' doctrine. And those are the pastoral epistles written to Timothy and Titus. And Paul is loading them up, loading up. You be sure to continue in these things, continue in them, continue in the doctrine. You've carefully followed my doctrine and manner of life. All scripture, give my inspiration of God, it's proper doctrine for reproof, for correction. And over and over and over again. And I want to say to you, it, it, it brings me to my wonderful knees, the heritage that I've been given. By my pastor, Chuck Smith, who said, I want my people to be the best fed sheep in the world and the best loved sheep in the world. I sat under him for five years. I can tell you personally, I was the best fed sheep and the most loved sheep in the world as far as I'm concerned. And what did Pastor Chuck give to me? A heritage says, you teach the word in season. You preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
You stay at those things. You just do them and let the Lord through the Holy Spirit do all the rest. And I believe that to my gut's bottom. We better continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The authoritative truth of the word of God. We believe the 66 books of the Bible to be the inspired, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word of God. And they are, and are the infallible rule of faith and practice. In other words, what we're going to do is what the Bible tells us we do. We are not to add to God's word. We are not to take away from God's word. We, are, we dare not tamper with the word of God. So beware when you read something in a very recent book that says this, quote, in light of the post-Christian context in which we live, it's time to stop appealing to the authority of a sacred book to make our case for Jesus, unquote. Beware. That's the, we live in it. And it says in the end times, men will be departing from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. They're going to be looking for teaching that tickles the ear and turn their way away from the truth and the doctrine. Beware when you read something like this, quote, I'm convinced that the entire Bible doesn't have to be true for part of it to be true. That, quote, the good news is, even if none of those things actually happened, referring to events like the flood or the exodus from Egypt, it does nothing to undermine the credibility of our new covenant faith. The credibility of our faith is not contingent upon our text being infallible or inerrant, unquote. And I say in my book, as I read the book, woe, woe to you. It is the infallible and errant and God-breathed, Word of God, it is foundation, the foundation and pillar of truth. The assurance of our faith and our hope and our love is tied and anchored in the Word of God. We love the Bible. CCS is a Bible teaching church because we believe that, that God's Word is our spiritual food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Foundation to all discipleship is believing that the word of God, like a seed, has all the power needed for spiritual life and trusting that the spirit of God is the one who will make all of our labors in sowing the word not return void but be fruitful. Amen. Your spiritual life, my spiritual life is directly related to my spiritual diet. So in everything we do, we will continually sow and water the word of God into every person's life, whether personally, individually, or corporately. We bring into the world the word of God. We have the gospel offer to a lost world. We have the word of God to instruct us and teach us in all things so that we be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's profitable for that. Now I have said many, many times Many times at our focus, if not every time, our focus Sundays. We believe that the Spirit of God works through the Word of God to change the people of God. Now, as I was thinking on that through these last few weeks, I think I will make this change. I've made it. Here it is. We believe that the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God to change all people's lives who hear it. In other words, the first step of discipleship is birth. 
So we bring the gospel to the unbeliever. And it's the word of God that changes their life. Now, Paul wrote this. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. This is 2 Corinthians 2.14. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Among those who are being saved... And among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Big question mark. No one. Because the word of God and the spirit of God. For we are not, he continues, as so many peddling the word of God. But as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. We are doing what God calls to, and the world thinks the gospel is foolishness. The cross is foolishness. Don't you believe that? When people receive the gospel, their lives are changed. When people reject the gospel, their lives are going to be different. Because the Holy Spirit is convicting them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. How? Through the gospel. So the word of God going out changes all people's lives who hear it. That's why we preach the gospel. So I would make this full change. We believe that the spirit of God works through the word of God to turn people to God under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they might be saved through the gospel and then to transform those who are being saved as disciple-making disciples. And I believe in this room, most of us are exactly that. We are disciples who are to be making disciples. And I have this on my wall. Disciples make disciples. So it begins with disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. And disciples make disciples. We are going to reproduce. Healthy sheep reproduce. So we stay in these four church things. The number one is the apostles' doctrine. Then the next three are this. Continued, continued steadfastly in fellowship. They continued steadfastly in breaking of bread. They continued steadfastly in prayers. Now fellowship must be understood spiritually as the community of believers. So we have this fellowship because we're believers. This intimate unity. There's this sharing in common. Partnership. Participation. Communion. Other words for fellowship. Now like it or not. As I already shared. You may not have chosen me. And I may not have chosen you. But listen. Our Heavenly Father chose both of us. And we have now this spiritual life. In which we are knit together in koinonia. Fellowship. If one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. No, that's what happens in a family. That's what happens in a body. That's what happens in a called out community of believers. So we are a community of genuine family, a genuine family of friends. That's what, so it has to be understood spiritually. The oneness is because we're one in Christ. Now, but it also must be expressed practically. And that is through commitment. 
in any depth of any relationship, the key foundational truth is commitment. There's a commitment to that person or to that small group or to that larger group. So fellowship expressed practically means we are reading our Bibles together. They continue to fasting the apostles' doctrine. We're centering all of our fellowship in God. It means we're breaking bread together. In other words, we're having potlucks all the time. <laughs> and then also, that's the physical. There's also the spiritual it could be referring to in the communion table. We're going to take communion today. It's a spiritual, very important, meaningful thing that we do in taking communion together and realizing our oneness in Christ because of what he accomplished on the cross. We are praying together, asking God in our love for a need for him. This is what happened. And they continued steadfastly in these four things. Centered on the word of God. Centering our love for each other. Eating meals together. Taking communion together. And brothers and sisters, praying together. Praying. Jim Cimbala said this, quote, If our churches don't pray, and if people don't have an appetite for God, what does it matter how many are attending the services? How would that impress God? He goes on. Can you imagine the angels saying, oh, your pews. We can't believe how beautiful they are. Up here in heaven, we've been talking about them for years. Your sanctuary lighting is so clever. The way you have the steps coming up to the pulpit, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And he, he writes, I don't think so. <laughs> and he is absolutely right so. You see, our faith in Jesus must be seen in our works to say is not to be. We can say a lot of things. The book of James is full of the practical application of commitment in fellowship. Our faith is seen in our love for one another. Our faith is seen in how we respond to difficult situations. Our faith is seen in our repentance in response to God's word. Our faith is seen in how we treat the poor and the less fortunate. Our faith is seen in how we show personal favoritism to no one. Our faith is seen in how we make our plans and run our lives. He who says we're going to go here and there and buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what's going to happen tomorrow, James wrote. You should instead say, if the Lord wills, we shall live. <laughs> That's the first thing. And go about doing these things. Our faith is seen in how we make our plans and run our lives. Our faith is heard in what comes out of our mouth. And so our faith needs the ongoing, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in dealing with our ungodly attitudes, our warring hearts, our fleshly desires for worldly pleasures, our pride, jealousies, and judgmental attitudes. Our faith needs the ongoing supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in transforming us by the renewing of our minds, transforming us and conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ, transforming us from glory to glory with grace and more grace. That's what's happening in our fellowship. It's practical. I put it this way. We are pulling for one another. That's fellowship. A man from the big city was enjoying a, rela a relaxing drive into the country when a dog ran in front of his car. He swerved to miss it but lost control of his car and ended up in a ditch. After a few unsuccessful attempts to get his car out, 
A man, the man sat on his bumper and waited for help to arrive. He didn't have to wait long. A farmer who lived just down the road came to his aid with a big, powerful-looking horse. The man watched as the farmer hitched the horse to the car's bumper. When the rope was secure, the farmer yelled, Pull, Nellie, pull! But the horse didn't move. The farmer yelled, Pull, Buster, pull! But the horse didn't move. Finally, next the farmer yelled, Pull, Coco, pull! But the horse didn't move. <laughs> Finally, the farmer said, Pull, buddy, pull! And the horse dragged the car from the ditch with very little effort. The motorist was appreciative, but a little curious. Why did you call out four names when your horse only responded to the one, he asked. The farmer smiled. Oh, buddy is blind, he explained. And if he thought he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't even try. <laughs> Do you love it? Hey, we're just like Buddy. We need other people to bring out the best in our lives. That's fellowship. God saved me a part of a kid. I, I just, it's such a joy to think about what God's done in the context of my family, you, our family of faith. God saved me part of a community, part of a family, part of a church. It's very difficult to live the Christian life alone. You might be able to do it, but very difficult. When you have others who are standing with you, even though they are not physically present, you can draw strength and encouragement from their prayers and support. And we do. There are so many things that pull against us. How we need to know that someone is pulling for us. Listen, we really need each other. We need to get together and sow the word into our hearts and share our hearts and what's going on and then stop and pray with each other. That's community and that's our small groups, less, about, less possible with larger groups. And they'd have a meal together. And this is what I say to you who have meals at your house, and I know some of you do every week. This is what they do. They would chow down together, clean up together, and then they'd clear out and let them have their home back. <laughs> I say, in every small group, I've just had a lot of, hey, just be sensitive and helpful when you're over someone else's house. Can you have it? Chow down, yeah. Clean up, yeah. But then clear out and let them have their house back. Okay, that's, <laughs> notice what it says, verse four. All who believed were together. And the Lord added the church daily, those who will be saved. They're of one accord. That's, fellow, that's these four things they continued steadfastly in. And that's how the Lord has led and will lead his church. Universal, local. Gene Veith wrote this, the recipe for church growth. Quote, the early church was not market driven. It did not make Christianity either user or seeker friendly. Converts had to go through extensive, lengthy examination before they were accepted for baptism. In the ultimate barrier to new member assimilation, those who did become Christians faced death, the death penalty. Nevertheless, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the church grew like wildfire. Continued steadfastly in four church things. So where are we at? 
We are a very healthy church. We are a growing family of faith. Because we're growing, we've embraced the growing pains of change as good, though not comfortable many times, but needed if we're going to stay healthy. There's no change, there's no growth. If there's no growth, there's a slow death. Everything that's growing changes. As we grow, there have been the inevitable challenges in relationships, rhythms, schedules, and events. Thankfully, in my heart to yours, nothing major, though individually they are major. Even so, I'm thankful the love, grace, and patience, the humble suggestion, the sharing we've had together, the praying, and how we've loved one another, just like Jesus commanded us to do. We have solid ministries, outreaches, and events in-house and in our communities. They're on gospel mission. You are living on gospel mission in your homes, your workplaces, your schools, and your neighborhoods. And I say, keep doing it. Where are we going? We're going to simplify by renewing our confidence that only the Spirit of God working through the Word of God can change people's lives. All people, unbeliever and believer, spiritual infants, spiritual children, spiritual adolescents, spiritual young people, and spiritual parents. The power to change lives is not in us apart from a current living relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the beginning, by the power of the Spirit. So we're gonna, we are going to simplify by always recentering our faith and our focus on these truths. They are foundational to everything else. And when these truths are, are as the, with these truths are foundational, amp, amp, amp. Listen, we are going to simplify by calling people to living out a response to do what God's calling them to do. And thus, we want to identify those things. We want to see those things. We want to train. We want to release as Bible teachers of of e-groups. In fact, we're having right now, if, if I would love it if you feel called as a Bible teacher or maybe you know someone is that you come and talk to me. We started a group Two Thursdays ago, this will be our third Thursday. I'm going to welcome you to come. It's the first part of of equipping those who are, it's for anyone who wants to come. It's just learning how to study the Bible on your own. But we want to especially train up more Bible teachers to go into our e-groups. I would like to see right now our e-groups with other things that are good stuff. We're about 70% Bible studies. I would like to see that increase to more and more of this. Bible studies we have a wonderful Thursday night women's Bible study. Has a team of women teachers that are going through, as you saw that Sarah was talking about. We're in the process right now of bringing about a men's of the same kind of caliber to have that. By the way, we did that Bible survey. I want to give you the results. Why do you, what do you think about the Bible? Now, this data was based on 129 responses I'm going to give you the top two answers and their percentages. So how often do you read the Bible? Every day, 67 responses. That's 52%. Two to three times a week, 30, excuse me, 35 responses. That's 27%. So you combine those two and 67% of our family 
is reading the Bible two to every day of the week. How much time do you spend reading? Top two. 15 minutes, 53 responses. That's 41%. 30 minutes, 40 responses. That's 31%. So the combined total is 72% are reading their Bibles 15 to 30 minutes those days they do. Why don't you read the Bible more? I don't have time was 50 responses. That's 39%. And other, the other, like, or another reason was also, was 44, which is 34%. So you combine those and you have a 72% who have other reasons or they don't have time. Now, I read those and I said, this is so encouraging. Because as I understand overall results in the evangelical church, we're killing it. And so I say, brothers and sisters, my dear family, keep on keeping on. And I would love it to see you this year making a, making a commitment to read your Bible more frequently, more regularly, and feed yourself that healthy diet that will change your life. Make time to read your Bible. Make your goal. In fact, there's another survey I've asked them to put up because I wish I'd put this on this one. Two questions. Have you ever read the whole Bible? Secondly, if yes, about how many times? So this is on right there. If you want to even go now with your phone, go for it. I'm going to just wrap up with a couple ideas. I would love to just get an idea of where we at. You see, we have put, there's fruit coming. Fruit there. In these things. And so we want to train up and release and encourage Bible studies teachers. If, again, training people up. We want to release and encourage Bible teachers as group leaders in middle school and high school and our children's ministry. We want to release and encourage a Bible study that will lead to a new Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church plant. Maybe that's you. We want to see an increasing percentage in our small groups of just simply Bible studies. And they continued steadfastly in, in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Here's a couple challenges. God's challenged me with this, and I haven't done anything about it. It's been about a year and a half. And that is to open my home to my neighbors, to some new people, and invite them in just to have a meal together or have dessert together and just begin to get to know them that I might be able to share with them my faith. To host maybe a community meal, a, a little group in your community. So many challenges here. To make a commitment to do that and then do it. Many of you are living out your, your gospel mission in homes and schools and your workplaces. And here's the final one. Go to communion. We can never pray too much. Never. We have a consistent group of I don't know, what would you say, Lowell, 20, 12 to 20 people on Saturday morning. It's called our hour of prayer. I'm telling you, it becomes so intimate. Not in the sense of nobody can come, but in the sense of we're just there to read a chapter and pray. And we've had some tremendously wonderful conversations around the word and the things that we're praying about. Would you come to that? Saturday mornings, eight to nine, that's all it is. Would you come and pray with us? There are other prayer meetings that we're having in many different times. You can find out. But would you come and join 
some group in praying for our church. We have been doing that consistently, not perfectly, for 29 years. And I believe that the fruit we are seeing, the things God has done, is because we put a priority on prayer. Praying. So again, the prayer request you have there. And uh, we're going to be a little late. Would somebody let uh, Lindsay know so she, I don't have to tell her. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think with with the time we're taking today, it's really important that we take communion together. This is our spiritual unity around the cross of Jesus Christ. We are one in Christ because of what he did for us on the cross. So would you, you can begin to hand those out as our worship team comes up. And maybe just taking some of these things to heart for our church this morning as we take the bread and drink the cup. Of all that God is wanting to do in and through our lives. Thank you.